Good morning, everybody. The uh, I um I, I know we've we've already said it a few times, but the, I was on this this banquet team last weekend with I think there were sixteen, seventeen of us on team this past weekend. Mike was the leader; he was the general of it all, and it was uh, just trying to help others fight spiritual battles with spiritual weaponry. And you realize that you know a lot of people are just they're just trapped. I, and I'll, I'll I'll tell you this at the the, the closing that night, the last Sunday night, I'm not a very emotional guy. I'm not. I'm, I'm, I'm just not. The right or wrong, I'm just not. The, uh, but that night, when we're closing this thing out, I'm literally, I was absolutely heartbroken because I thought, where's everybody going to go? Where are they going to go? Where, where are they going to go? What are they going to hear? What are they going back to tomorrow? Because I have never seen as much condemnation in my life as I saw when these men came in last weekend. Condemnation abounds, and it is paralyzing. And I sure hope that this is something that if you struggle with this, we can work through this. And you know that you've got people around you here that will encourage you, and you can encourage them as you move through this. But there is this picture. Jim, if you could put up this picture. I keep this on my phone, and it's just a haunting picture. This is what just kept going through my mind. You'll never be free until you free yourself. This condemnation comes in, right? It's very hard to be of use in the body of Christ if you're frozen. If you take on this condemnation, just know there is a battle going on in your mind. I don't doubt that. We all have it, right? But this battle going on in our minds, it is not a civil war. It's not. And Jim, you can take that down, but this is again, it just, it just haunted me of this idea of people just get trapped. And I was thinking just to, to, to lighten things up a little bit. Who remembers the show Andy Griffith growing up? Okay. Remember all the characters? Andy, Aunt B, Barney, right? Do you remember Otis? Who was Otis? The drunk, the town drunk. And what would he do? He would go to jail. He'd let himself into the jail, and he would let himself out of jail. So I want you to picture in your mind, if you're trapped, you've got the keys are on the wall. Like Otis had the keys on the wall to let himself out. He put himself in, he put himself out. You are free to get out of prison. If you are stuck in prison of your mind, just know that there is a solution. There is. And it's Jesus. It's not physical and watching these men suffer from condemnation, I'm telling you, it's like watching somebody get bullied, but there's nothing you can do. There's plenty of guys here, I think a Getchels or, or Luke or a lot of these guys, if I saw somebody being bullied, like, Jeremy, fix that. <laughs> Luke, fix that. Right? Plenty of tough guys around here that, that could handle a bully. But this is spiritual battles going on in people's minds. This is really, really hard, difficult stuff. And it's just hard to watch. Albert was at my table and was at Gentleman Deck when he sat down. Albert, you remember one of the first things he's talking about? What is his cold heart? And I, that was one of the first things he said. And I didn't immediately want to throw a flag on the field, but I, off the bat, I wanted to tell him, like, you don't have a bad heart. Your heart's fine. Your heart's been perfected. But these are the things, and talking to some of the other people there is, this was a common theme that these men came in with this overwhelming condemnation. And it is hard, hard to watch. So I just want to just take today and just, just remind everybody, 
right? Who we are in Christ, right? And let's be encouraged, right? Who are you? Who, who, right? That's right. I think it was Roger Daltrey that said that quote, but that's a... But this is one thing, again, I, I just, I, I want to touch on this. I hear people talk about forgiveness a lot. Forgiveness is great. Forgiveness is great. This is one thing I've learned from Kevin Willard. If you don't know Kevin, he's sitting over here. On my phone, I've got a, a, a note section called Willardisms. And he is a tremendous source of wisdom. But one thing that Kevin taught me, and I, 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 just, I just love, is when we talk about salvation, I think as Christians, we probably, maybe we talk too much about forgiveness. It's a part. It's a part of coming to Christ. It's a part of it. That's not the only thing you got when you accepted Christ. It is not the only thing you got. But if we focus on behavior and behavior and behavior, we think what we do is who we are. And that's not true. What you do is not who you are. But who you are will have a great impact on what you do. But when you accepted Christ, a lot of things happened. One thing in particular, the Spirit moved in. Your temple was cleansed so the Spirit could move in. That's a big deal. The creator of the universe moved in to lead us, to direct us, to give us the words, to give us the deeds, to give us the power and energy to carry out those deeds to his glory. And I know many of you, Jim, if you could put up that that one uh, page of, of all the, the words. I know you all have seen this before, right? The moment you accepted Christ, these are just some of the things that happen. Yeah, forgiven is one of them, but you're justified, made complete, members of his body, confirmed to the end, right, holy and beloved, buried with him in Christ, glorified, raised up with Christ, seated in the heavenly places, not condemned, new creation. That's the moment you accepted Christ. Why do we take all of it? We want to talk about forgiveness because we're laser focused on behavior. I don't want to focus on behavior anymore. I want to focus on life. I want to focus on life. I want us all to be encouraged about life, about an abundant life that's available to us. We had a gentleman last weekend, Randall, looks, looks like Luke's little brother. He accepted Christ last weekend. All this happened to him last weekend. All of that happened to him. He just met Jesus last weekend, and all that happened to him. Yeah, forgiveness is part of it. But he was also born again, and the Spirit moved into him. We were out in the parking lot Tuesday night. I was talking to Randall. One thing he said to me is he said, you know what means so much to me is the fact to know that all my sins are forgiven, past, present, and future. He just met Jesus last weekend. He's like, Rand, I would love for you to go talk to some ministers I know, because that is, that's just the beginning of some really good news. But all of this happened the moment that you accepted Christ. And this is just a partial list. It's a partial list. It doesn't, it, you know, it doesn't, it, it, it doesn't encompass everything, right? But keep in mind the spirit of the creator of the world dwells within us, right? And, and praise God. But keep this in mind, right? Behavior didn't get you into this thing. Behavior doesn't get you out of this thing. Do you hear that? I hope you hear that. You didn't come into this thing because you're a, you're a good behaviorist. You came into this thing by faith. Your behavior doesn't keep you. Christ keeps you. It's a covenant. It's not a contract. 
You can't walk away from this thing. You've been adopted. Part of the Jewish tradition is that when a child is adopted, when you adopt a child, you cannot, you cannot let them go. He can't let you go. Right? He says that, right? And he means it. You are in Christ. Right? And we talk about Christ in us, and there's one of these things I just, you know, usually there's, there's, there's sayings or, or verses or, or thoughts. This is one I have attached to, to Chad Hayward. There's a 10 to 1 ratio in Scripture that talks about us being in Christ versus Christ in us. Christ in us is great news. But clearly, clearly, Scripture is trying to stress something to all of us about that we are in Christ. You're in it. You're soaking in it. Right? You don't get out of it. But you came in by faith. Abraham believed God and it was credited him you know, as, as righteousness. That was before the law even came along or circumcision or the prophets or any, any of the other stuff. It's always been about faith. Scripture is consistent all the way through. This thing was always about faith. So when we talk about our salvation, let's just not get hung up on our behavior. Let's encourage each other to live, to truly live. And that's where we move into really just as far as just I would say our, our identity, understanding the battle that's going on in our mind. The one thing that, that yeah, I, I guess my dying moment of last weekend was I've just got this critical spirit and I, I, I'm reminded of this. I, I know it. I suffer with it. Kirsten reminds me of it. Rusty reminds me of it. So when you've got people in your life that you love, it's like I got to check myself with that sometimes because many times I can be overly hypercritical. But... I just want to defend myself here. <laughs> but there is a righteous anger. And I get a very righteous anger against bad teaching. And this is where uh, one of the things that, again, maybe this is critical, but remember the, the parable of the talents, right? That, that, you know, he's given five, he goes out, turns it into a, a ten and brings it back and you know, and uh, the master says, well done, good and faithful servant. I have heard that so often at funerals. And it just, it makes me sick. The reason for it is because the person in that parable, they weren't dead. Right? The person in that parable, they weren't dead. And I want you to know that the Spirit is telling you that all the time. The Spirit is telling you well done, good and faithful servant, all the time. Jim, you can take, you can uh, close that down. If you could, just for a second, close your eyes and hear the Spirit speaking to you. Well done, good and faithful servant. Well done. You're here. We don't take attendance. You're here. What brought you here? You could have grabbed a donut if that's what you wanted and left. No one would, we wouldn't have said anything. You're here. You're doing great. You are doing great. Live. You know, and I look around here, a lot of parents out here, a lot of parents. You remember when we were teaching these kids how to ride a bike? What was that like? Right? What would we do? We would encourage them. Right? Was teaching them how to ride a bike, was it about them not falling down? No, it was about encouraging them how to ride a bike. 
The Spirit's always encouraging you. It's always, always encouraging you like a good father. Like a good father. And that I think of Jeremy when I think of good father. The Spirit's always encouraging you. The Spirit doesn't condemn you. Even when we stick our lives in a ditch, He's encouraging us to go which way to go. He's always reminding us of who we are. There's no condemnation. And that's where, Jim, if you could put up that Romans 7, uh, 17 verse. Maybe you've heard me say this before, but Romans chapter 7, it's my favorite, favorite chapter in the entire Bible. Absolutely my favorite because it is the place where Paul recognizes the enemy and it's not himself. He recognizes that there's a battle going on in his mind, but it's not Paul versus Paul. Ryan McCall spoke last week. One of the things he mentioned is that the the word sin comes up 14 times in this chapter. Every single time sin comes up in Romans chapter 7, it's a noun. We always, most of us always thought that sin was a verb. Every single time it's used in this chapter, it comes up as a noun. So now I am no longer the one doing it, but it is sin living in me. Power of sin dwells in us. There's a battle going on. And it will use first-person pronouns to try to deceive us, and it's very, very creative and very, very effective. Right? And I heard this week from two men, one in particular, John Getchell. John was just up here singing. John shared with me this week this idea of what held him back, what paralyzed him from moving into this life of grace was a feeling of unworthiness. Now, if you know John, like I know John, you'd hear somebody say that and say, that's ridiculous. John, you got this beautiful wife, these beautiful kids, you got a daughter that's going to be on The Voice someday. Like that is, that's crazy. That idea of unworthiness, come on. We never know what's going on in somebody else's fishbowl. I don't know what's going on in your mind. I don't know what you're struggling with, but I know what the solution is. There's consequences to sin, I get that. There's consequences, but there's a solution, right? So we don't want to focus on the sin itself. We want to focus on life. And Kirsten's accused me of being an arborist because I talk too much about the, the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But this, think of it as like decision trees, right? There's three choices, it's good, evil, and then there's life. I choose life. Jesus said, I came to have life and have it abundantly. He didn't say I'd come here so they'd stop smoking. <laughs> Whatever you're saying, it could be language. It could be a whole host of things. Believe me, as I talk to men, I hear a litany of things, a wide range of things. Sexual sin, language, a condemnation. I mean, a whole wide range of things. Well, there's a solution. I just want to encourage you. Right? So if you come to me and say, man, I wrecked the bike. Okay, what are we going to do? What most men do is they're going to create an accountability group about not wrecking their bike. We're all going to get together and we're going to talk about not wrecking our bike. Oh, good luck. Ed Hens tells a story about when he was teaching the kids how to, how to ride their bike. He said, I, would, would, I could never say don't hit that rock in the road or don't hit that mailbox because what happens, right? The power of sin works that way. Don't hit that mailbox, that one right there, that mailbox right there, right? The power of sin is the law, right? Don't hit that rock in the road, they hit it and then, 
right? But again, whatever it is that you're struggling with, I do care about you. But understand the solution dwells within you. It's not good or evil. It's life. You could take yourself, move away, go to a monastery, commit yourself to celibacy and silence the rest of your life. That's not life. There's a calling on your life. I doubt it's that. But if we think this whole thing is a behaviorism, right? We're going to behave and God's going to like us more. He won't. He wants to function through you to this world. You know, Sven likes, it showed me, it's this, it's this. It's the spirit within you flowing out through your personality to the world. See the simplicity of the gospel in that. Your sense of humor, who you are, your personality, he loves you. He loves you. He's going to use you. He just wants to flow through your soul. That's it. There's no more work to be done here in your heart. We may think that there is, right? But your heart has been perfected. The Spirit of God dwells within you. He wants to flow through your soul to this world. It's a choice that we have. So be encouraged by that. So the, the so that's Romans seven seventeen. Then there's Romans seven uh, twenty. Paul says this a couple times. These are just a, a few sentences away from each other. Now, if I do what I do not want, I'm no longer the one doing the the one that does it, but it is the sin that lives in me. Right there again, it's now there's sin that dwells within us. It has the ability to place thoughts into our mind. It's trying to hijack us all the time. So when you hear a condemning thought, or it's clearly leading you into another another path that you know is just the, the wrong way to go. Just, just you turn on your discernment. But beware of those first-person pronouns. You know, I'm not worthy. I don't have any friends. I've got problems. I've got addictions. I've got over. Oh, I get it. Believe me. We all hear this, these kind of lies in our heads. But when, they, when the power sin uses those first-person pronouns, those take the greatest amount of discernment. Because we think that we're generating those thoughts. You're not. You're not. The next verse I'll put up here is this. Another thing I learned from Kevin Willard. Remember when Paul wrote Romans, there were no chapter breaks. Right? Many times when we read scripture, we might, I'm going to read this chapter now. I'm going to read this chapter. I'm going to read this chapter. There was no chapter breaks when Paul wrote this. So just a few sentences after sin that dwells in me. This is what Paul says. We know this verse. Right? Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Don't put a chapter in there. Take the chapter break out. Paul's driving home a point here. I know there's a battle going on in your mind. Don't buy those lies. When you hear those condemning thoughts, that's not of God. It's not of you. It's from the enemy. It's from sin that dwells in us. What's the Spirit doing? It's encouraging you like a good father to get back on your bike and ride. He wants you to ride. He really wants you to be free. Scripture talks a lot about freedom, right? We teach the kids how to walk. We teach them how to ride their bike. We teach them how to drive, right? And with that comes risk, right? We know there's risk. He gave us a free will. There's a risk in that. But we had children so that Kirsten and I could love them. Maybe they'll love us back. He takes us into the family he was hoping that he, we, he, we would love him back. And he is so for you. 
He's so for you. That just cannot be stressed enough. Don't be paralyzed by this condemnation. Right? I know there's issues. I know there's problems. Believe me, I grew up in a, in a family of addiction. Right? I know it hurts. And the closer you are to that fire, man, it is just really hard to have any perspective. Sometimes it takes somebody outside the family to talk to them. Right? I get it. It's hard. It's really, really hard. But Christianity is not behaviorism. It's not. It's an abundant life that he's made available to us. Right? There's no condemnation. And that's where, again, if, if you're woken up at three in the morning, remember this verse. Remember that verse. I'll bet if you're woken up at three in the morning like I oftentimes am, right? It's usually not, hey, I you won yesterday. <laughs> hey, the Pacers are 3-0 right now in preseason. They're looking pretty good. It's usually not my thoughts at three in the morning, right? But remember, you got to discern the thoughts coming in your head. Because if evil thoughts are coming in, condemning thoughts, just remember this. There's no condemnation. The Spirit's always encouraging you to live. So there's this verse here, it's Philippians 4.8. It's just, it's just a great one to move through. It's a great exercise. I, I hate to, to come up with some type of a, a you know, I, I guess way to, to perform, but Again, what I love about this verse is, is what Paul says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any moral excellence, if there's anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. Right? Love doing this, right? What's true? I'd say the word of God is, is true, right? The fact that your mother loves you is true. The fact your dad loves you is true. The fact your heavenly father loves you is true, right? What's honorable? You know, I, I think of Josh Blyle, right? That's who comes to, that's who comes to my mind, right? Honorable. There's a lot of things you can move with. What's lovely? Right? It's funny. I remember asking Speckman about that. He and Shelley had different answers to that. Speck, you know, was talking about sunsets and things like that, right? What's lovely? We all have different answers to this. But if you set your mind on these things, this is of the tree of life. This is from the tree of life. This is great news right here. This is how you fight spiritual battles. Here you're using spiritual weaponry. I can't turn off or stop the thoughts coming in your mind. You can't turn it off. And as Jeannie, as I, I mentioned one time we were at camp, and I, I said to Jeannie, I think some days this power sins louder in our head than others. And Jeannie said, you think? <laughs> Only how Jeannie can. There's some days it's louder, right? It just is. I don't know why. But this is something that we can use. And to systematize this whole thing, right? The babes in the faith know their sins are forgiven. The babes in their faith understand all of those things that happened to them the moment they accepted Christ. Right? The young men of faith know how to overcome the evil one. They know how to use this to battle Right? It's not a physical battle, it's a spiritual battle that's going on in each of our minds. Right? The fathers in the faith know him who's been from the beginning. 
Hebrews chapter 4 is my second favorite chapter in the Bible because it talks about a rest. Rest that's available to us. Right? And remember, when, when the Jews made it into the promised land, there were still battles to be fought. Right? There's still ba- You're here. There's still battles going on in your mind. But there's a rest. There's a day you and I are going to meet Caleb. Caleb was an elderly man when they made it into the promised land. Caleb helped everybody else fight to settle their land before he went and settled into his own. He was elderly. But that elderly man knew who was fighting for him. And the advantage we have over Caleb is who was fighting for him now dwells within you and is encouraging you to live. Right? You were a sinner. Now you're a saint. Right? Can you say that to the person next to you? Say, I'm a saint. Say it to the person next to you. That's a fact. Right? I've got 60 verses to back that up. You may not feel that way, but I've got 60 verses to back up the fact that you're a saint. You may not feel like it, but we walk by faith. We don't walk by feelings. Remember, you come into this thing by faith. Not by feelings or behavior. You're a saint because he made you want all the glory to God for that. Right? So we live. We're saints. It's not a boastful thing about us individually. It's a boastful thing about our Heavenly Father and what he's done to us. And all the glory to God for that. So I just want to close out with this. I saw this cartoon this week I thought was funny. If you, hopefully you can see it, but it's a butterfly driving a car. His license, or his driver's license is a picture of him as a, as a caterpillar, right? You were a caterpillar. You were a sinner. You were one. Now you're a saint. Now you're a butterfly. What do butterflies do? They fly. They fly. One of my favorite things Tony Evans ever said is that when I talk to my congregation, I want to, I want to preach to the eagles and the seagulls. I want them to fly. He said the pigeons are always going to be walking around on the ground, but I want the pigeons to be inspired by the seagulls and the eagles. You're all eagles. You're all seagulls. I mean, fly. Don't buy in the lie that you're still some, you know, pond scum water drinking caterpillar. You're not. That's not who you are. You're not. That's who you were. That's who you were, but it's not who you are. And I'm not making light of this, that when we screw it up, when we fall down on our bike, what's the Spirit saying? Let's go this way. (laughs) Right? When we stick our life in the ditch, what's the Spirit saying? Let's go this way. Always, always encouraging you. Encourage each other. Right? There's an abundant life to be had. Condemnation is not of God. Right? Encouragement is of God. Right? This thing is about faith and trust that He will give you the words, the deeds, and the energy to carry all of that out. Right? So going back to the initial picture of the idea of Otis, remember, Otis let himself in the jail. If you're in jail right now, just grab the keys off the wall, Otis, and let yourself out. That's a fact. You've been set free to live. 
right? Don't be trapped. Do not be trapped. And if you are, call me, talk to me. It's my favorite thing to talk about. Be set free, live. When people see someone walking by faith and living, they know you didn't pay for it. They want what you got because what they see is they see the Holy Spirit in you flowing through your personality. It's like, I like that. Because they see in you love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, flowing through your unique personality. That's fantastic. Of any age, any soul, any personality, everybody loves that. So be encouraged, right? If you're trapped, set yourself free, right? Encourage and remind each other, remind yourself who you are, right? And live. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for my friends. Lord, I love looking at these faces. I know much of the pain that's in this room when I see these faces. I know the joy that they bring me. And Lord, we know that this life is not about the battle. It's about you. And Lord, I just pray that we can all rest in, this, in the eye of the hurricane as our storms just fire, spin all around us. Because I do think that as, as, as you say, that there is a rest for us. And Lord, I just pray that you are just glorified through our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.